In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. And welcome to episode 35 of Geeking Off the Page. This episode was recorded on January 1st, but will be released January 3rd, just in case you're keeping score. Hi, guys. I'm Trevor, and I'm here to waste your time. Deal with it. I'm Troy, and he's no good to me dead. I'm Mike Kitchen, and Cobra Kai never dies. I'm Gavin. Zombie guards, seize them. Tell me that's not fun to say. Geek Not the Page, a podcast where four friends from college who have been carbon dated back to the Stone Ages talk about comic books, movies, and everything under the, so- under the sun. Fast forward to 30 years later, and we haven't stopped, much to the annoyment of others. Welcome. All right. Thank you for that introduction there, guys. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, nice, solid uh, opening there, Gavin. Thank you for that. Um, like mentioned, we're just going to get right into this whole entire atmosphere that we call geekdom. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, something that's uh, near and dear to some of our hearts, some more than others, because some are a hell of a lot more devoted to it than others. And we're going to start off with uh, talking about the latest offering for Netflix that was released on the 31st of December of last year. That's right. New Year, people. Remember, sign those checks. 2022 now. Uh, We're talking about Cobra Kai. Now, being Netflix, the whole entire season was actually dropped all at once. And a couple of us actually have gotten through quite a few of the episodes. Now, as you can see from the video version of this particular uh, episode, we have a couple of uh, big fans and all that. And um, you know what? I'm going to take a backseat to this and I'm going to allow uh, Michael, you're the big proponent of Cobra Kai. Why don't you uh, start us off with your uh, input, feelings, thoughts of uh, season four of Cobra Kai so far, because I don't believe you've actually finished it. Yes. Wait, I oh, take that back. You have finished it. it. Yes, yes. Yes. I realized as the words came out of my mouth. Oh, right. Mike had written that he had actually finished it. So go ahead, Mike. You... Well, first of all, round table. How far are you guys into the Cobra Kai series? I'm assuming you've watched some of them. Uh, definitely not all of them. Like Gavin, you're, I think I've watched the least out of the group. How far in are you? Halfway, halfway through season two. Oh, okay. Troy? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't finished season one. Trevor? And I have watched seasons one, two, and three, and I'm on the second episode of season four, just starting into the third. All right. So I'll try and do this without too many spoilers. Uh, me and Trevor had a long conversation about Cobra Kai during our duo podcast. Um, so I won't rehash the whole thing. However, coming into Cobra Kai season four, the entire family was so excited for this one. We'd been waiting an entire year. We got it completely hyped because of the trailers. And it was fun because it's a family show. So we got to enjoy the hype as a family building up to this point. So we picked apart the trailers. We're pausing it. Going over, it's like, wait a second, they're using weapons. You know, all the stuff that we talked amongst ourselves during the other Geeking Off the Page podcast. But then as a family, you know, when we're taking the dog for a walk, we're making predictions and what we think is going to happen next. 
And it, it was so much fun to watch this season unfold. Uh, my son got a ton of things right. Of course, he's the spoiler king in the family. He's been finding all the different clips and noticing different haircuts and what outfits characters are wearing and seeing which characters switch sides partway through. And the entire season didn't disappoint. So we watched 10 episodes in 24 hours. So that's what, like five hours of entertainment. And we just blasted through half of it last year, 2021. And we blasted through the rest of it this morning. And the girls got a little burnt out. So they wanted to take a little break and sleep in a little bit and do some other things. But the boys were up first thing in the morning and we blasted through the end. And we know it happens because it's in the trailers, but we get the All Valley Tournament at the end. And there's a whole bunch of different surprises that happen in this. It does not disappoint. Now, if you've watched any of the seasons of Cobra Kai, they do this amazing thing where they always end on something epic. Like it's something earth shaking that just changes the entire series. So obviously, Kreese showing up in season one, uh, Miguel's injury, season two, the dojos combining forces to go against Cobra Kai, season three. The end of this uh, one, I didn't know no that. spoilers. It's in the trailer. We watched the trailer. And the end of this one doesn't just give us one earth-shaking event. There's multiple ones. So it's like when you watch Return of the King and there's like, ooh, something at the end. Ooh, something else at the end. Ooh, something else at the end. Ooh, something else at the end. And every single one is so epic and mind-blowing that you guys really have to just watch the rest of the series so we can discuss it further. So I'm not going to give any more spoilers. I'm just going to hype it up. You have to watch it. Like, if you have dishes to do, don't do the dishes. Watch Cobra Kai. If there's a new movie in theaters, <laughs> don't go to the movie theaters. Watch Cobra Kai. If you want to go to bed, just don't watch Cobra Kai. So, so Mike, am I going to use this? So you're, you're. So I'm going to use the fact that you stated that I have to watch this this show instead of doing the dishes as something that I can use to back up an argument. Absolutely. Because Mike said I had to watch this instead of doing the dishes. I can use this that. This is very important. That's how, that's how important it is? Okay. It's very important. Oh, I can't I can't clean the house. I gotta watch Cobra Kai. You can get it all done in five hours and then now, continue things afterwards. I will say these first two episodes um I don't know what the time gap is between the end of episode uh, season three and the start of season four. It's overlaps. Okay. That first episode is literally the last scene. But the, you can really, three. really tell that some of the actors, A, went through growth spurts, B, oh, yes. did a lot of working out, or C, um, the hairstylist didn't quite, you know, really check season three for hairstyles and jumping into this because there are some noticeable changes of, of, of minor characters. Oh yeah. Um, which Especially is, the little kids. And there were some jarring things like, Oh, that, that kid shot up like a full head and height. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, for me, it's just a case of, I'm just rolling with the punches. I, as I said, I've only seen two episodes all the way through. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. So I'm looking forward to, you know, how this ends up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, convince Meredith that I can't like load the dishwasher or take the kids to daycare because I got to watch. It's more important. Keep the kids um, home. 
and watch you know, it. I have a black belt in Taekwondo, but I still I I would not put money on me against Meredith if I gave her an excuse of you oh, just got to get her hooked. <laughs> well, I watched the show with you. She and has right seen. She saw all of first season and a good portion of second. Um, at some point, we'll sit down together. We'll catch all. You know, we'll go all the way through the end of season four, probably before season five comes out, which I'm hoping is soon um, because it's already filmed and in the can. But we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, as I said, so the two episodes I've seen really having a good time with it. I mean, obviously wearing the Miyagi-Do headband. So yeah, liking it. I'll, I'll keep watching until I get to the end. I just can't promise it'll lead by tomorrow. Yeah, some things that are a real treat is seeing Daniel and Johnny together because of the rivalry. And again, the way the show uses flashbacks from the original movies, that's a lot of fun. The kids in this, all of them have gotten way better at martial arts. Like there's a few kids that were kind of cringy in the first couple seasons who've really stepped up their game in this one. Um, you can tell the guys are working out and they're starting to look more like Marvel superheroes than karate high school kids, but it's good. Their acting has gotten so much better. Like the intensity that some of these kids have, um, they change emotions just with their eyes, like you know, where they're confident and then they second guess themselves then they feel guilty about what they've done and then they get pissed off again just reading it on their facial expressions and their eyes yeah the acting on these kids is phenomenal so those were some standout things in this and then of course we all know terry silver came back and that character did not disappoint and i will say nothing more of that until you've watched it so what did you guys oh go ahead no good as well i said earlier if, if you started to spew off spoilers i was going to reach for the camera and choke you out so strike first strike hard no mercy so troy what is your opinion on what you have seen of the first season so far um i and again it's what i've uh, mentioned before it's it's what i originally saw on uh, youtube when i was uh, when it was originally on youtube um it's it it it's it beautifully follows the the storyline from the original uh, movies, which is kind of nice because you know that the and again, at the time that I was watching, I knew that the 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 writers that they were huge fans of it. They wanted to do this all along. This is what they wanted to do. It was a great homage to something that they grew up with loving uh, when they were kids. And it shows in the first couple of episodes that I've seen of season one. Now, obviously, we got the first two seasons on YouTube, and obviously, third season was on Netflix was a huge hit enough to not only do a fourth season, which is currently airing, we also know that a fifth season has already been filmed. So the fact that it is that strong of something for Netflix to get behind and to produce and to put out um, at such a high rate, it is definitely something that is not a waste of time it is definitely something that is not only entertaining and you don't actually i mean it helps if you're a fan but i also think that if you're not it still is also a well done program um the episodes aren't that long they're a nice half hour episode like a full like 30 ish minutes and all that give or take and all that but um they are a great watch there is no wasted there's no wasted time there's no lingering on things for too long and everything so far. And what I know of what comes on later, because it's kind of hard to 
have watched something that is this well known to not know what's going on uh, in later seasons that everything that is put up on the screen is given its due either in the next episode or the next episode or in the next season or something like that, which is also great. And the fact that they are bringing back such original stuff and the integration of original footage. And again, like, like you said on the podcast the other week, how alternate takes of the same scenes just so seamlessly put into this. And it is a very entertaining, an entertaining series. And again, the only reason I haven't gotten around to it because I just, it's just, so much is out there to try and consume it's kind of hard to set aside like if everyone in my family was a big fan we would have probably sat down for the five hours and watched i will say this made the entire family fans to the point where the kids have gone back and watched the original trilogy multiple times really that's that's okay that's a cool thing to hear all right and you're signing them up for their karate lessons They're doing tournaments upstairs right now after watching this season. So for the last hour, they've been up there just pounding the crap out of each other in the living room. (laughs) It's amazing. So Gavin, what did you think of what you've seen so far the first two seasons? Well, I've definitely enjoyed what I've watched. Um, I think, I I think part of what it is, is uh, with the amount, the amount of stuff that has that uh, Amanda and I uh, want to watch. Uh, when she kind of gets burnt out on something, sometimes we got to kind of put a pin in something and then go to something else. And I think that's what kind of was happening with with uh, Karate Kid was we were kind of hitting that midway through the, se- the uh, season two, and she just said, "Okay, look, we got we got to take a break. We just haven't had a chance to go back to it." So my intention is to go back, uh, at least get to the high school fight. Yeah, we'll we'll work our way through that. It's there, there's 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 so much stuff to watch and it is on our list yes but not in our review <laughs> sorry i can't get that one in there you might Did not I... be able to not but your kids name. are gonna love it I, I tried. <laughs> oh adrian talked over my joke <laughs> uh, i tried to sell the you know getting josie and maybe meredith because they're, they're watching my hero academia and they're almost done they're almost fully caught up. I'm like, oh, we start. And and Mayor's like, well, well, how long is it? I said, eh, combined, you know, nearly 800 or so. And she was just like, no. And I'm like, but th- there's filler episodes we can skip. And she was like, no. And and Josie's was was a very similar reaction of, I don't have that kind of time, Dad. Yeah. Uh. And I was thinking to myself, well, what do you have time for? Like, what? I mean, you're watching all these these other ones. Like, you just slip some Naruto in there. But no, I, I haven't been able to sell them. The fact yet. that my wife Erica got on board for Naruto and watched the entire thing with us that speaks of the quality of it because she doesn't care about superhero action things. She doesn't care about anime. She doesn't care about animation. None of that stuff. But somehow the story grabbed her. To the point where she'd run and sit on the couch and watch it with the entire family so that's a massive endorsement and the fact that the morals are good for the kids that's another huge endorsement you know there's a lot of shows where it's not so much but and that's one thing that's fun with this cobra kai is the complexity of the characters and the morality that's built into it again it's something that you're happy to watch with the family because there's so many good life lessons 
in there and watching the way the characters have to deal with their past and deal with bullies and their, I guess, the way they take on the conflict in their lives. So each fight is like a metaphor and every thing that they do is like, are you making the right choice? Are you making the bad choice? Are you the good guy or the bad guy? You got bullied, but now you're the bully. And there's a complexity to it. And to watch the characters get elevated through that. So it's not black and white. You like Daniel is probably one of the biggest jerks of the show. And of course, if you look at the original Karate Kid, he was, yeah, it could be argued from Johnny's point of view, he was the villain. So yeah, they take things to make it very complex. And the writing is so good. There's a few... <laughs> like my kids were saying, oh my God, dad, I can't believe they trolled us because something will happen one episode and then they'll fake you out the next episode. We go, what? No, I can't believe that. Oh, they faked us. So again, brilliant writing. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it so I can talk more about it. All right. Well, I'm proud I have it by the next podcast. Hopefully I'll be fully caught up. Uh, we can uh, do yeah, another yeah. duo episode. All right. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to uh, the next thing up on our list, and uh, we're going to go with the uh, Disney Plus offering, which was uh, released to us uh, the previous Wednesday, and that is uh, episode one of the Book of Boba Fett. Now, uh, this pretty much uh, gives us um, a little glimpse into what happened between uh, after the events of Return of the Jedi and uh, what is currently happening after the events of The Mandalorian. And um, now... I'm going to have to say that as um, the uh, Boba Fett fan that I am, this is a series that I was totally looking forward to for pretty much from the moment that uh, Tamora Morrison showed up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, This is the series I was looking forward to ever since uh, Tamora Morrison showed up in uh, The Mandalorian, because again, it was something we weren't expecting. We didn't have any sort of information that this was going to happen until just before the actual episode aired that Tamora Morrison was in it. And um, this is um, now again, I am going to say that everything I say about the book of Boba Fett is through rose colored glasses. Uh, the, The Boba Fett character has been my favorite character of the, original Star Wars saga of uh, all the extra stuff, all the stuff that is now considered legends. Um, and that's I, impressive to say, considering how little screen time he had. And yeah, how exactly. Dialogue. Exactly. It was, it was, it was the mysterious of the character. And again, I, it was the age that I was, it was this, I was this impressionable young kid preteens when this character was like, Oh, look at that. He's just like, Oh, he doesn't have to talk much about like, what do you mean? no disintegrations and like, as you wish sort of thing and whatnot. And he's no good to me dead. The look of the costume, the, uh, just the sound that, uh, the fact that he was a cowboy, that he had that, the, the spur sound as he walked and you never saw a spur on his actual costume. There's no spurs on the costume, but he has the spur sound when he walks around. Um, the fact that that's all he has. He has six, he has like, six lines he's in the movie for such a short time with both movies together and it's just just this cool like character that should not be as cool as he is he just lives on in everything else in comics in toys in whatnot um boba fett is one of the things that i constantly collect from star wars um my 
collecting years have like sort of weaned off of getting every single thing Star Wars and it's dwindled down to a few things. I collect Millennium Falcons. I collect Boba Fett stuff. Um, we've now gotten into doing Grogu because the family loves Grogu that uh, we have quite a bit of Grogu stuff and BB-8 as well because my daughter fell in love with BB-8 the instant she saw him on the screen, which again, those that have children of the same age, BB-8 was their R2-D2. So, Did they ever make a BB-8 soccer ball? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit we have that giant uh, remote control BB-8 that is life-size. So, I mean, uh, yeah. So we have a lot of stuff and all that. So, I mean, I loved pretty much every single thing. I mean, again, watching this episode, I was doing a lot of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Oh, oh there's that thing there. There's a, oh, not that, that thing and whatnot. Uh, the extras that we got into it. And again, I could spoil the hell out of this, but it'd just be me fanboying over it. So just me saying, I enjoyed this. It was the first episode. It was like 37 minutes, which was fantastic that they had so much story shoved into a 37 minute story. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, fantastic director. There was nothing lacking in this for visuals. I mean, for timing because he knows how to shoot something he shoots what he needs to shoot and then moves on you don't have a lot of dead space you don't have a lot you have a lot of fantastic dialogue you have a lot of traveling dialogue which is something that is so difficult to pull off especially in something as epic as a star wars the Phoenix shan and boba fett sequences where they're walking through most espa to get to the cantina and all that is just a fantastic way that it's shot the way that it it's so fantastic. Um, and then the action sequences, the fight scenes, the uh, parkour, the, uh, the um, oh, what is it? They have oh, the, the stop motion guy, Clash of the Titans. Uh, Mike, you should know this name. This... Harryhausen. Harryhausen, thank oh. you. The Harryhausen creature at the, uh, at the end was so beautifully done. And Do we know what alien that was? Uh, apparently it's known as sand creature so far oh. the only research i've seen is sand creature so i mean um the introduction of more than your basic tuscan raiders i cannot wait until uh conventions are the normal again and we see so many different tuscan raiders because this has opened up so much more i like how friggin jawas are dicks in this uh friggin well strip a man practically nude knock him unconscious and leave him to die in the sun what the and it's so i mean again i i can't help but smile talking about this but that's me as a fanboy now i'm hoping that someone else here has a little more of a constructive way to do this i mean no matter what you say i'm still gonna say i love this episode i cannot wait until next wednesday for the second episode to drop because i just have a feeling this is going to be so fun i mean the interaction with all the other characters while he's doing his his uh his 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 um crime lord sitting in his throne and all that and it's just i exactly he, the arms up and all that sort of thing and him still not really sure of what he should be doing and how fennec shan is like do you want me to kill him this is sort of it's like it's fantastic how she's like introduced as a supreme assassin sort of thing it's just so good and i just can't wait to see more of this so i am going to step back from this discussion about the book of Boba Fett, because again, 
it's just going to be gushing on for uh, a Trevor amount of time about this sort of thing. So, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get my two cents in here first. Yeah, go ahead, go says, ahead. Please, someone speak I up. I know that I will be outclassed and outmatched with anything else afterwards. Um, I, I I very much enjoyed it. Finally, got got the answer to how Boba Fett survived because it was it was it was never canon that Boba Fett actually like survived the Sarlacc. But we all said it. Every single one of us who owned a little Boba Fett action figure is like, there's no way he's stuck there's down no there. There's no way. Exactly. So, like, we finally got the answer. And then, of course, you know, why he looked like he'd been he'd been partially digested uh, in the Mandalorian was because he was partially digested in the Mandalorian. Or Mandalorian. The uh, Nothing a back attack won't cure, apparently, because <laughs> he looks a lot better. Um I, I will say um, I was looking very, very much forward to this. Uh, Amanda and I both enjoyed the Mand- Mandalorian, but Amanda was kind of iffy on watching uh, Bo- the book of uh, Boba Fett. And she said, well, I'll watch the first episode. And at the end of that episode, okay, I want to see more. It just, it feels, well, Maybe Trust you your feelings, correct. Trevor. You know them to be true. So uh, I think if, uh, if if they if they won Amanda over, I think uh, I think I think there's there's definitely some really good story in this. That I think even even the most uh, you know non Star Wars fan might might get a kick out of. And over to Trevor. Trevor. You really want me to start, Mike, or do you want to get your chance, get your words in edgewise? Um, okay, so what I want to do with this is just pick a few things and just kind of bounce them around. So if you want to do a, a diatribe, go for it, because I don't have a diatribe. So you can do that, and then we can just, yeah, kind of play ball. All right, so, <laughs> so when I saw this episode, I, I similar to Troy, I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. Um, I've been looking forward to the second. The second they announced that they were going to be doing the book of Boba Fett, I have been bouncing in my seat in anticipation. So I watched this episode, and then I watched it again. But this time, uh, the pause button became my best friend. And Robert Rodriguez, this is him being given full access to a playground and say, "Do what you want," and he does. There are so many little call-out moments um, when, you know, when, when Boba Fett's in the back to tank healing and dreaming, like there's a, a quick shot of Camino, the oceans of Camino. And if you pause it at 117, you can see Slave One sitting there on one of the landing platforms. Not Boba Fett's ship. Slave Not one. Boba Fett's ship. It's Slave One. And then we jump to the scene in Attack of the Clones where young Boba Fett's holding up his dad's helmet. And you can actually see through the visor. Um, so obviously the head's no longer in there because, I mean, if he'd picked it up, the head should just, but it doesn't because, you know, family fun. Um, and then we immediately jump into the Sarlacc and it explains how did Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc? So he's in there, he's being slowly digested flicks on the, the helmet light, sees a stormtrooper who 
we don't know how the stormtrooper got in there. We don't know how long the stormtrooper has been in there. That's actually one thing I wanted to say since the ball's in this court right now. Mm-hmm. Why is there a stormtrooper in there? Did the Sarlacc just pick up the random stormtroopers wandering the desert? Like I was expecting to see some Jabba Skiff ah, guards. But when the stormtroopers were combing the desert, and what'd you found? About five cents so far. One of them, you know, one of them could have wandered because we don't know how big the Sarlacc is. So one of them could have fallen down the pit and others would be like, well, glad it wasn't me. And they kept going. So judging from the armor of the stormtrooper, it has already been eaten through in a couple of places. The mask itself, the nose is already like melted off. So this thing is well under digestion. Um, Boba manages to rip out one of the, the air hoses, which is in its cannon for stormtroopers. They have an atmospheric thing, sticks under his own mask, get himself some, some clean air, and then uses probably one of my favorite weapons, the flamethrower, and burns the shit out of the Sarlacc from the inside out. The scene where we go to the desert, you see what's left of Jabba's floating palace, the the rusted remains on the edge of the pit, and then Boba you know, sticks his hand out, drags himself. You can see slime dripping off his uniform, like off, off the armor, off right off the faceplate. It answered the age-old question. How the hell did he get out? No one helped him. He helped himself. Yeah, he chucked Norris his way out of there, just he like we were hoping. Fought his way out, but then passes out. And then, yeah, Jawas, we just see how big of a dick they truly are. They come, they strip the man. He's obviously still alive. And then they just introduce him to the rifle butt and carry on and leave him. And it was little things like that. Like, yeah, and then... Then we see the approaching, you know, Tuscan Raiders, and because we see a variety of Tuscan Raiders, yeah, at conventions, I am fully expecting to see some steampunks, uh, Tuscan Raiders, because um, I think it'll just be a beautiful marriage of steampunk and Tuscan Raider, because there can be many types. Um, and the thing is, is to, it's a testament to how tough Boba Fett is that after being in the Sarlacc for we don't know how long he was in there until he broke free, and then being dragged and keel-hauled behind the Tuscan Raiders, he's still alive. He, I mean, you can see his uniform has been, has been digested in a couple of places, so he's got to be hurting, and he, his fighting spirit has not diminished. Um, so every part of this episode, I had a really good time with. There were some things as like, you know, just get, like, I, and mentally I'm like, come on, get on with it, knowing that there's more stuff coming, but at the same time, some of the stuff has to be explained. It has to be shown. You know, we, we have to know how he developed the relationship he had with the Tuscan Raiders. And if they just do like a wham, bam, thank you, Justice League, we would just be upset. You know, and I think it speaks of the writing and the directing to say we've got to pace ourselves. Let's get, you know, I know people, some people I've, I've been reading complain about the pacing. It's too slow. Well, you can't get everything in one big, you know, it's not, it's not like we're taking the steak dinner and throwing it in the blender so you can drink it all at once. And I think it would completely devalue the story if it was exactly because the torture that's happening is so important to it. And okay. The fact that Luke Skywalker grew up on this planet, it gave me new respect for Luke Skywalker because we never really saw too much Tatooine, like even though it appears in a bunch of movies. We haven't yeah. seen this side of exactly. it. Exactly. And never you see seen, how uh, yeah. ruthless it is and how dangerous it is. It just made me love Luke Skywalker. Now, what's even what's more. also nice is, we, so in the flashback, we see just how chewed up 
Boba Fett is. I mean, he obviously he's got some scars from the burning mm-hmm. that he used to get out. And then when we see him get out of the interrupted back to tanks, tank cycle, he looks so much better, which makes me really want to put a back to tank in this house somewhere. Um, but unfortunately, we don't get one of those. But it's it's a testament to why we see Boba Fett the way he is in the, you know, after he's been through the treatments, um, we get to see his armor. We get and then with the whole tribute sequence, which was kind of funny, especially with the mayor's aide. I am looking forward to seeing more of that mayor's aide because it's just it's it's a fun, quirky enough character that you know he's going to come to a horrific end, but you just want to wait and see. And I like the fact that Fennec gives the line of you know you talk to Jav this way he used he would have fed you to his menagerie, which makes me wonder when will Boba get his and and what's going to make up the menagerie because you know he could catch most of it himself. Um, so there was a lot of this episode that was we couldn't. They couldn't jump into it with both feet and get running right off the bat because they have to ease into a bit because there's a lot of backstory with this character. Even though he wasn't on screen for very long in the original films, there's enough backstory that if you rush it, you're just going to ruin it. And the fact that the robot that's introducing, like the droid that's introducing all the different people is the same droid who was responsible for pulling the lever to drop the, the hot irons on the, on the gonk droid. You know, hats off to these guys. They are paying attention. Okay, I have and to mention something there because when that droid was on screen, my kids were saying, oh, that droid looks so stupid. Why does it look so stupid? It's like, no, you don't understand who this is. He was one of enough, Jabba's actually, tortured droids. I, after watching the first time, I called up on Disney+, Plus, called up Return of the Jedi. And exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's they the exact got it same, yeah. so yeah. They did a accurate. fantastic job, yeah. yeah. Great job. And then walking through... Uh, Mos Espa and I mean, walking down the street when they get to the the bar all the people I mean I had to pause so many times to look at the people in the background they populated that background so intelligently mm-hmm. it was just like the some of these characters we're going to see again obviously they're going to be reoccurring characters and it was like so well done and even when they're walking down the street looking at the characters um, that are fill, helping fill the scene. Like there's, as they're leaving, there's a character that has these two long horns with a set of like cables that come. That was a fan drawn character. They had done this contest where, you know, you know, submit an idea for a, a character. And this, this guy who submitted the idea, his son had drawn that, that quick little character and then he developed it and they were going to use it um, in the, 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 the sequel um, series, but never did. So instead, a guy introduced here, and it's like it, it just little things like that that show that they are they understand the fan community and they are, you know, including things that not just for the fans, but help make this world look so much better. And then when the assassins show up with their energy shields and their their you know energy maces. Initially, I was had some hazard, some reservations, but it was just a beautifully done scene. I yeah, I have nothing but but praise for this episode. I like Troy. I am waiting for Wednesday. I want to see what the next episode looks like. I just wish the guys when they were jumping around would scream parkour a lot. But yeah, parkour. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can't have yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. In my mind, I was like hearing like Steve Carell and and Rain Wilson yeah. screaming parkour as they were like yeah. jumping over things. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, again, um, there looks like there was uh, a little more than the uh, the the screen being used in this particular sequence. 
uh, in this particular episode because uh, that the parkour sequence looks like a full. Yeah, it looked like a full set, so it wasn't. It, I don't think it was totally, done in the yeah. volume. No, the or volume, if it might have been done in the volume, but just because they did a lot of quick cuts there. Yeah, exactly. They might have had exactly, to quickly yeah. be resetting what's yeah, going on. Inside. Yeah, exactly. And it just looked fantastic. I mean, that whole entire walk and talk sequence, that is definitely. Well, we do know that that alleyway from the Mandalorian is being mm-hmm. repurposed for most Espa and all that. Uh, sorry, I don't know if we all know this, but yes, a lot of the sets are being retooled from other previously uses so that whole entire sequence where they're having the shootout when uh, the mandalorian show up to allow the mando to escape and all that sort of thing that whole entire corridor of uh, uh buildings from the mandalorian this is the exact same sequence but it's all been redressed to look like this new most espa I'm, and all that so i'm as i said the flashback sequences if anything i i know there's some people that's bothering because they're like oh we just want to get on with a you know Boba Fett taking over the crime thing. Mm-hmm. The the flashback sequences to me are the icing on the cake. Yeah, um, because yeah. it's it's a it's showing us more of the Tuscan Raider society, other than mm-hmm. the fact that they they killed Luke's or or, or Anakin's mom, um, and we're seeing how that interacts. And because he came, the first time we saw Boba Fett in the Mandalorian, he he f- was carrying and wielded a gaffy stick. I just I want to see more of that. I just I just want to see how we got to that relationship with the sand people. Yeah, yeah. And again, like you guys said, um, that final shot in the episode where we're in a still in a flashback where they have returned to the camp. The kid is carrying the head of the sand creature, and the tribe leader. I'm going to say he's the tribe leader is aware of the fact. Yes, thank you, Gavin. Is aware of the fact that this kid didn't do it. It's this guy here. Yeah, and hands makeup, of the water gourd. Yeah, the makeup that they have on Tamora Morrison just covering his face and chest to show the sunburnt, acid-burnt skin that he is wearing, it's a good thing he's got that back to tank because I don't think they'd be want to put him in that much. And again, uh, several of these sequences were actually shot in Australia during quarantine. So a lot of desert stuff is actually done in a desert yeah in australia so i was wondering just, about that if they just had a bunch of sand on their yeah no it was fancy it's, screen room but because of cool. because of the quarantine uh time that this is being shot australia was a little more uh stringent with a lot of the rules and the fact that they were actually in this desert location and all that so a lot of the uh, i think a good portion there might be some volume sequences that i think do kind of looked and all that oh and again the massive that pet is so fantastic i am hoping that it is not all cg because obviously when it's walking around it's definitely cg but it looks like there is a practical the, the way puppet. it interacted with the sand exactly that would be r- ridiculous to be simulating that exactly much exactly yeah 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 so i'm hoping that the massive which looks fantastic and again we've seen massives before we've seen them they were introduced to us in uh, episode two um way back when anakin slaughtered them all <laughs> um so but um and again they were introduced they, we also got them in animated form we got them in the clone wars we saw them and whatnot but this massive that we were introduced to as this i guess this child's pet 
is just so gorgeously done. And it is almost impossible to tell the difference between the practical and the CG, which is a beautiful thing. And uh, a red Rodian is kind of neat. Um, yeah. An Aqualish with different hands is also another thing <laughs> is fantastic. The first guy giving the tribute where uh, they don't understand what he's saying and how they definitely need a protocol droid. Um, if you saw in the uh, at the closing credits, the um, the artist work of the scene where Boba Fett's sitting in his throne chair, at his foot is the just a disembodied head of a protocol droid, which is kind of neat. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, um, and again, I'm just gonna say I I didn't find I mean. I didn't find any fault with this. It was great to see what we've all wanted to see. It, it was a lot of fan service, which is what uh, Filoni and um, Favreau have done with so far everything that they've done for Disney Plus and Star Wars. It is definitely, hey, you want to know about this? This is our idea of what it is. Hey, guess what? It's canon, so it sticks. And again, it's like... Us as kids, we had our action figures. We played them. This is what we want the story to be like. And that's what, again, Favreau and Filoni are doing. And to have someone as talented as Robert Rodriguez to come along on the ride with them, it's just a beautiful first episode. And I just love the heck out of it. So um, I, there's so much more that we can go into. But hey, I haven't even done mine yet, so we're going to keep going. I apologize. So we keep going, yes, and I will throw in my more two cents when, when it comes up. So go ahead, Michael. What do you have to say about the first episode of the book? Of okay, Boba so you've gushed a lot about it. The one thing I'll say that's negative is I never liked Attack of the Clones. Oh, I'm sorry, so Mike. You're, you're, any you're time... muted. I can't hear you, Mike. You're muted. You want to un... <laughs> you wanna... No, I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, Attack of the Clones. Um, all those flashback sequences. I never liked the backstory of Boba Fett being a clone. Didn't like the way he was introduced and killed Jango Fett. So those flashbacks just kind of left me empty. It's like, uh, I'd be fine to cut that part out. But it's canon. It's part of the story. Fine, I can let that go. But I think that's the only thing that I really had a problem with throughout this whole thing. I was curious about the stormtroopers, but we discussed that. I loved the way he did the Chuck Norris thing to get out of the Sarlacc, and it's just flamethrower and punches. That's beautiful. That's the way I would have written it. Jawas, like you guys said, being absolute jerks. This is one where, when I watched it with my kids, they see the Jawas come and say, oh, are they going to help him? Wait. They're just taking his stuff. Wait, they're just going to leave him here? Then the pistol to the face. It's like, oh! They all jump on the couch and think, yeah, that's what you, we want from Jawas. Yeah, they got to you know, be they, Yeah, they take the scrap and then the sand people come and take the slaves. And like Trevor was saying, this whole section of the backstory was some of my favorite because you see how brutal Tatooine is. I love that the sand people have the different costumes. And it has a very Freeman vibe. Like, I'm definitely getting the feel from Dune, which makes sense because this is what Lucas kind of got the idea from. So seeing all that culture and seeing him as a slave, like, it really is the passion of the Christ, but with Boba Fett, just the amount of torture he goes through for all this. I love the tents, how they look like pyramids. Mm -hmm. That was brilliant art design. And then just his whole experience of being a slave and kind of working his way through it 
trying to survive at the amount of abuse he takes is insane. So that whole section was a lot of fun. And we talked about the tributes. That was cool. I liked the Wookiee pelt. That was a nice touch. Um, oh, also, that was uh, Robert Rodriguez, apparently. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that. That So, yeah, that's really cool. What was the line? It's like, even when they give you a compliment, it sounds like a threat. Yeah, the Trandoshans. <laughs> it's such a beautiful <laughs> line of dialogue. So it's going to be fun to see how Boba Fett kind of fills out his criminal empire and starts populating the palace because it does look pretty empty right now. Um, so hopefully through the season, we'll see more and more people start working under him. The Gamorians were brilliant. They were two of my favorite characters. They So to see him, like he's starting to build his gang. Uh, like Trevor was mentioning with populating the city, um, this is some of the best like Star Wars city and population stuff I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, we won't. How long? Into... Well, Last Jedi was pretty horrendous. That casino thing. Yeah. yeah if you yeah. look at this, it's like, okay, this felt like Star Wars. This is, this is like Rogue One version of populating a busy city. Because th- while Jedi, interesting place, but the fact that it was so dense with characters that were all across the board and all that that's what this had a feel with now unfortunately the way that they shoot things they can't have uh you can't have so many crowded people just because of the of the 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 stuff stopping you from being able to do that sort of thing yeah but, uh, yeah but that works for tatooine like that's for one sure thing for sure for yeah, the I, I can't see special editions a bustling yeah. metropolis. Oh, yeah. No, especially in high, yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when in they, the high sun. Yeah. When they did the special edition and populated Mos Eisley with all these extra characters and ships and monsters, it's like it lost the feel. But the despecialized version where it is sparse, like there's still interesting things happening. Exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. not packed. But yeah. this captured that feeling, especially mm-hmm. considering it's such a huge city. It still felt correct to me. Now, a question when he's fighting the guys with the shields why didn't he use his jetpack every does single one of us work? watching that huh does it work we don't know if he's had it repaired since luke hit it, it with a light or, or since, why would you or wear since... it if it doesn't work because it's, it's got, got a missile work. it's got the missile mm. we know that well, that strikes me as the kind of uh, uh like fighter that would actually use all tools that are available to him and i i would have to say, say i side with trevor on this every single work Every single one in the family is like, use your jetpack. Use it. Yeah, we just don't know if it works. That's the yeah, thing. Maybe. He, he hasn't used it. He didn't use it in the Mandalorian. We don't know if he's had, you know, because it obviously, I mean, it's a specialized piece of equipment. Did he not use it in Mandalorian? He used it in the Mandalorian. I he thought did. he did. He used I'm it for a sure single. He, he used it for a single jump, but that's all that he used it for. He did use it to launch the missile quite a few times. Yeah. Um, because we know that Cab Vance, Cab Vance didn't even know that it actually had could launch anything. But uh, well, he yeah. actually he figured out how to use the rocket launcher, but that was about it for it. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, he did he did use it to launch himself for a bit of a jump, but that is the only time that he did it. So it could be a number of reasons why he didn't use it to escape that little fight sequence. Now but, there's there's something that so when we saw first see Boba Fett, he is a bounty hunter. And the Imperials refer to them as bounty hunting scum. Those scum, the bounty hunters. 
so we're led to believe that bounty hunters are not the most honorable of people, you know, do the job by any means necessary, get your bounty, so on and so forth. Boba Fett, I think we're going to see his time with the Tuscan Raiders has changed him so that it's not as much of getting the job by done by any means necessary. It's doing the job in an honorable fashion. He's striking me more now as like a Ronin masterless samurai who honor is paramount to what he does. He even says the line, he's not going to rule with fear. He's going to rule with respect. So that could, I mean, that you could say that be a reason why when he's fighting the assassins, he's fighting with honor, even though he tried initially fire a little missile at them. And it kind of, I love how there was a disintegration that made me so happy. As soon as that dude got disintegrated, it's like, Oh Yes. I always wanted um, to see what a disintegration looked like. Now, I'm, I, I have a, I mean, put up the bets. Who, who hired the assassins? I think it's the mayor. That's what I think. Um, yeah, probably the mayor. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's something that we haven't been introduced to yet. I'm gonna say it's the owner of that that cantina. No, oh, really? Yeah. I have a feeling it's it's the owner of the cantina that did it. Just because you know she was under the 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 heel of Bib Fortuna, now that he's gone, she just doesn't want anyone else. So yeah, she she put the credits in the helmet to to show, you know, but when he said he's he was walking on his own feet, not using a litter, she probably as he was leaving, she was making the call, you know, because they were probably all set to attack a litter, not him just walking on the you know walking on his own sort of thing. So, so you're saying it was Jennifer Beals from Flashdance that uh, yep, basically yep. hired Garza, Garza okay. Flip. Okay. I think I think she did it because she doesn't want a new person that she has to pay tribute to. Because things Bib Fortuna was basically he was the major domo of, of Jabba, so she was had to pay Jabba, and then Bib Fortuna takes over most of the the network for for Jabba's stuff is still in place, so he could still enforce it. But I think she's she saw this as an opportunity. If she took out Boba Fett, then she no longer has anyone she has to pay tribute to. She's her own businesswoman, sort of thing. No, that's a good that's a good point. Theory. Yeah. I think they're it's, probably I mean, all working theory. together. Too. That was my my impression because just the way that the fact that he was attacked on his way out, not on his way in. If yeah. he had been attacked on his way to the cantina, then my money would be on the mayor. Get rid of this guy as quick as he can. But the fact that he was coming out, he had payment. And he's holding his helmet in his hand so he can't dump the helmet on his head. Left him vulnerable. I love and, that the Jawas stole And the Jawas money. stole the money as the well. Yes, fucking Jawas. Take yes. the money again. <laughs> the fucking Jawas. Little pricks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, the parkour sequence, I enjoyed it. It almost didn't feel Star Wars. Like it felt a little bit different than the normal Star Wars vibe, but it didn't bother me because it was so cool. And what it made me want to do it made me want to see a Jedi going after those guys just to see what that would look like. You have these all parkour guys and then the Jedi just doing his Jedi thing, like floating between buildings. And yeah, that would be fun. So that's where my head went during that sequence. This is, you know, this is Hallmark Rodriguez, that kind of intense action. Oh, he does it so well. And he's, I think he does what one or two more episodes he's doing. So I believe he's got I believe he's got at least one more episode. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm on board 100 percent And the one thing I really liked was the little sand kid 
the little Tuscan Raider who's basically taking him around. The little brat. Yeah, the little yeah. brat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun because like we've never seen anything quite like that before in Star Wars. The whole time I was like, why does Boba Fett just throttle this kid? But the fact that it builds a relationship with them, saves the life, comes back, and now he's respected by them. I'm curious yeah. to see where that storyline goes. So again, I think this is where Boba Fett switches to more of a, an honor sort of outlook. Right. Know, it's like if I'm going to be, honor. it's very Dune and the Freeman. Like if you're going to be living in the desert, like you need the sand power. And Wait, you're saying Star yeah. Wars is influenced by Dune? Yeah. That, if you guys haven't heard this before. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a yeah. book called Dune that really influenced George Lucas. Ooh. Dunk? I heard of Dunk. Um, now, I'm going to also say we don't know how long has elapsed between these flashback, flashbacks and Boba, me, Boba Now. So mm-hmm. we don't know if that kid is... Boba Then and Boba Now. Exactly. We don't know if, if that kid is now grown up and mm-hmm. running his own tribe. We, we just, That we would know. be interesting. So we don't know how long he lived with the, the, the Tuscan people before you know seeing his armor and deciding all right i'm taking this back it's mine and off he goes so that's i mean to me that's one of the coolest things is is if it turns out that you know this kid grows up under boba's tutelage and then when he finally you know the kids him now a man and and boba feels comfortable leaving him and letting him do you know be his own man sort of thing that's going to be kind of cool it's rather than like oh yeah i hung around with the the tuscan people for a couple of weeks we're all good and then i went and got went go get my armor so I would yeah, actually be okay like, if they had the parallel story the whole time. I would be happy with that. Yeah, I'd be happy. It's it's almost like the there's there's been several uh, cool stories and movies like you know, with the, the samurai who gets injured and he goes and hides away with a village and he sets his sword aside and stays with the village and, and is there for mm-hmm. many, many years. And then finally circumstances force him to pick up his weapon again. I would like to see if if they kind of mirror this. You know, he sets aside his his days of being a bounty hunter sets aside his mandalorian armor and is happy living with the the tuscans until something happens in which he finally says all right i have to go reclaim my armor and move forward from there it's going to be it's going to be a nice ride i want to see where it goes so yeah i'm done that's the book of boba fett yeah so i i also want to just just put out there that uh basically i watched this episode on my own the day it came out uh i watched it also a second time on my own but this this evening um my daughter because i had asked a couple of times to want to watch this with the family and because she wanted to watch enchanto for the 17th time since it's been released again 17 million yeah don't get me wrong enchanto fantastic movie love the song because the songs are so stuck in my head and all that but um we watch, we watch the book of Boba Fett. And of course I'm pointing out the stuff and whatnot and she's enjoying it. Adrian's enjoying it. Um, I'm just enjoying them enjoying it sort of thing. Um, so after that is over, uh, Disney plus suggests, Hey, do you want to watch the legends Boba Fett where it's that 17, 20 minute little feature about Boba Fett. So that plays on and we go and all that. Um, during that whole entire feature, it mentions the Nelvana animation from the uh, holiday special. So Aslan asks about that. So I'm like, well, that's on Disney Plus as well. So we watched that. <laughs> and then she enjoyed that enough. I went, okay, what do you think about this? So we watched 
two episodes of the Ewoks. And then after that, we watched an episode of Droids before it was time for bed. So um, got to hang out watching Star Wars for a couple of hours. Like the rabbit hole you went down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite the rabbit <laughs> hole. So um, yeah, so again, I think like uh, for the most of us, uh, we're not going to uh, not have to wait too much longer because uh, Wednesday is right around the corner. All right, so back we're going to move school. on. Yeah, back to school. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's going back to school. Um, so um, the next thing up is uh, we're just going to do a little recap and all that where uh, we didn't have a chance for uh, a couple of us to go on to talking about. Do we want to pause it there? <laughs> well, I can give a bit, bit of a rundown. So 2021 has been interesting, to put it mildly, for uh marvel mcu marvel disney plus offerings um some things got rescheduled some things got pushed back uh also we've been undergoing it's basically the aftermath of phase three into phase four so this has been seeing phase four movies of the mcu and a big push also from disney plus putting out their shows in support of the mcu so we had WandaVision, Falcon and the, the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and we ended up with Hawkeye at the end of this year. So we thought we'd do a recap and a rating. What, what worked, what didn't, and uh, you know, how did 2021 do for uh, the MCU? So when we're doing a rating, what's the idea here? Are we ranking them in order of how awesome they were, or are we just giving a score uh, I would say I from good to bad. Let's let's put them in order from good to bad, and we'll do this. So we're gonna we're gonna start off blowing Marvel and then eventually kicking them out of bed. Is that what we're saying? Or we could do it the other way around. Say yeah. So know, we go from the bottom up. Yeah, start out of bed and then blow them. Start with what we did. Bottom up will be what? So are we gonna go from the bottom up or from the top down? I would say from the bottom up. Okay. End on a high note. All right, there we go. That sounds like a much better thing, which I think I, I, I'm i just going to go out there and s- s- make a stab in the dark. We're both going to have the first, the same number one and the same number nine. So I'm just I'm just out there saying that. So I didn't see the Eternals. I don't know. That's why that I, one is. the exact same thing. We'll see. That's the thing. We'd have to put it at number nine because we didn't see it. Right. I don't I, know. I believe I Gavin's there's, the only one worse. that saw the Eternals. Falcon right? Winter Soldier offended me so much that having seen it i think hurt my soul more uh so falcon winter soldier is bottom of my no list. matter what without seeing the eternals you're gonna put falcon and the winter yeah. soldier yeah above. because I, the without, eternals isn't in my mind without like seeing my, the eternals black huh? widow's at the bottom of my list wow it was such a wasted opportunity okay this, this is, is your, this is good this is good all right yeah it, it was your last run of scarlett johansson's the black widow it was their chance to wrap up all the loose ends with that character and they fucked it up. They really did. It was just Trevor made a, a solid point right there. I think I still have to go Falcon Winter Soldier first, but yeah, Black Widow is like crammed right down there. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'd follow mine exactly with Falcon Winter Soldier's number two as a giant wasted opportunity. What about so, you, okay. Gavin? What do you put at number nine? Ooh, uh, that's, that's tough. Um, I'd probably put, uh, now, bear in mind, I didn't I didn't rate it on the hate scale like some of you guys have. 
but um, I would I would put uh, as the least enjoyable to me would be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then uh, probably put Black Widow uh, about uh, on the next tier on that one. Okay, all right. Not to say I didn't like them; it just they weren't as good as they could have been. Okay, so I just took a different angle on this, and I just put. Unfortunately, I put the Eternals at the bottom only because I have not seen it. I again, I that's the only reason why I put it at number nine because it's something I didn't, I couldn't make an opinion of. I couldn't rate it less than something that I've already seen because again, no matter what, um, I'm on the boat that no matter what, how well received something was, I still enjoyed pretty much a good portion of everything we were given this year from the MCU. And that's the only reason why I put the Eternals at number nine is because I have not seen it. Now, come January 12th, when it's released on Disney Plus, I will watch it. I will. I want to see this, whether or not it's a good movie, what I've heard good things, I've heard bad things, I've heard mixed. I still want to see it because it is part of the MCU and it is probably going to have some influence later on down the line. So that's where we're going. So seeing Gavin's already given his number eight, um, what is, and I guess... Mike and Trevor are swapping out their number eights, or are you putting the Eternals at number eights? Where that's what I want to know. What are your number eights then? Mine's okay, Falcon mine, and Winter Soldier, and mine and is then, Black Widow, and yours is Black Widow. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm going to say number eight for me is taking everything all into consideration. Um, of what I have seen, the one that let me down the most from watching the beginning to coming to its conclusion is unfortunately, and I hate to say it, is I mean, I don't hate to say it because it is just where it falls, is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, there was stuff that I really enjoyed from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's just unfortunately that it just didn't l- stick the landing. It just unfortunately fell flat at the end, which sucks because I do like the characters. Uh, I mean, the Winter Soldier is one of my favorite characters that they introduced into the MCU. Uh, Sebastian Stan did a fantastic job. Um and Falcon, again, great that he's now Captain America. His journey to becoming Captain America is really cool and all that. But unfortunately, again, the whole entire thing as a series, I also believe had a big problem with trying to rewrite because of the pandemic. They had to shift around so much with the MCU shifting around its schedules and all that sort of thing. I know that parts of the storyline weren't uh, completed when they have had to pause for uh, like mid into the the filming and all that. So it got a little muddled up with it. And that's why it just turned out the way it did. So there we go. So that leaves us number sevens. Uh, and I'm going to go with my number seven is Black Widow. Uh, for the same reasons that Trevor said. Um, I enjoyed Black Widow a little more because um, the introduction of all the new characters, we were introduced to Elena. Elena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, her and and uh, uh, the two of them working together was fantastic. Their chemistry was fantastic. Uh, the fact that we were introduced to mom and dad and all that sort of thing, well, adopted mom and dad and whatnot, um, all the extra stuff was really great. Uh, Taskmaster was a little bit of a letdown. Um, the releasing of, of, of how the actual widows were enslaved by this one guy and it was a pheromone thing and whatnot. It, it, exactly, it fell, but 
there was more that I enjoyed over watching that two hour movie than I did get out of what finally came up with Falcon and the Wonder Soldier. Uh, again, that's why it's down near the bottom of my list. But what do you guys got for uh, the next one then? What is your number? The Eternals, eight? because I didn't see it and it didn't scar my brain in any way. And I managed to dodge that bullet. And so because it didn't hurt me, I put it at number seven. For me, um, just because of everything else that's still on the list, The Eternals is number seven for me, partially because I I know a lot of the backstory of the characters. And I think the, the reasoning they put behind why they weren't showing up in the MCU previous to suddenly now um, it's just a lot of bullshit reasons. So what was the reason? Just bullshit reasons. Which bullshit no. reasons? I mean, yeah. if they were there to to fight off the deviants, uh, Thanos is a fucking deviant. He they, they should have been there from the attack in New York on, because yes. this was this was something that Thanos was behind. They should have been there. Um, so that yeah, I mean, I I do enjoy the the I have seen on YouTube the the end sequence credits. So I will yeah, when it comes on Disney Plus on the twelfth, I will watch it. Um, but yeah, I just I think it was just again mismanaged characters, but not as badly mismanaged as Falcon Winter Soldier and Black Widow. So that's why it's in number seven. And what do you got for number seven there, Mr. Gavin? Uh, I'm gonna go with the Eternals. I enjoyed it. It for it, it was completely different than anything I'd seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But with what Trevor was saying, it's a, with what else is on there, unfortunately, it just doesn't doesn't hold up to the other offerings all right okay so uh we're coming up to uh, number six who wants to uh, reveal their number six first i'll go shang chi um that's one where meh i didn't really care uh i thought it was going to be a lot more fun a lot more kung fu a lot more dragons and other things but it just kind of meh yeah, I, I I wanted a full-on Street Fighter Marvel Cinematic Universe okay. movie. All like right, I then. wanted, all it, right. you know, take it all the way. They Marvel keeps saying that every movie is its own genre, so they play into this one. As there were some moments, like there's moments where it started to feel like a kung fu movie, and then it just kind of went. Bleh. So, yeah, I was kind of let down by that one. Number six, Shang Chi. I will echo that. Shang-Chi is number six for me. Almost the exact same reason. I wanted to see the Hong Kong Kung Fu film. This should have been the Hong Kong Kung Fu film. That It wasn't. It, it just felt a lot of tacked on shit instead of them doing the Hong Kong Kung Fu film. Like, just, just, do, just give it to us. You know, make him the, the, the wandering warrior who's, you know, struggling to... It just, we didn't get it. So, yeah. It looked pretty, though. All right. Um, I'm going to have to say that this was, um, I've got a back and forth between my uh, five and six. And um, I finally settled there on. There can be only one. I finally settled on my number six is uh, WandaVision. So um, while I really, really enjoyed the concept, I was totally there for every single moment. The television stuff was fabulous. 
uh, where uh, and, and the extra stuff, the stuff that was outside of Wanda's uh, influence, the whole entire bringing in Rambo and bringing in uh, a, uh, uh, Agent uh, Agent Ho. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. Um, bringing in uh, uh, Darcy, Darcy and all that sort of thing. That was fantastic. That whole entire sequence, the whole entire sword sequence was kind of neat and all that. Um, once we got out of the concept of the TV realities and it started to bleed into like trying to deal with a reality that wasn't real, then it started to fall apart for me. Um, I... Um, um, it, the, the, it, it just unfortunately just didn't pull off what I was hoping it would pull off. Um, and again, it's another thing that was a, a victim of the pandemic. It, it basically at one point they had to redirect this whole entire storyline because certain things were not being used and certain things couldn't be done and whatnot. But I mean, Okay, sure. We got scrolls in the universe that are. I I, I have a feeling that scrolls are going to be the thing now that is like, no, oh, it wasn't really a scroll. It, it wasn't really who you were just talking to. It was a scroll of them and all that. And I just think, unfortunately, well, it's I had such a high, uh, a high love of like the first two, three episodes. By the end, I was all like, hmm, okay. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed the series. It's just that from the very top to the ending, I just felt like it just let me down a little bit. And again, still really high. And again, I, I find a lot that I enjoy from all these series, but WandaVision comes in number six for me. And I believe we have uh, someone else to do a number six who's still got their six to say. Or was that the last one? Oh, Gavin still has the number six. Sorry. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with uh, What If. Again, I enjoyed a lot of it. A couple, couple of episodes fell a bit flat, but uh, up against some of the other stuff on the, on the list here, I, it's, especially when you're being, you're being sort of to, uh, told, quantify this in the list right now. Worst to, worst to best right now. This is what is going through my head right this moment. That These might are your change. feels. These are your feels at this moment. Yeah. These are the feels. Yeah. Every single one of them I feel. <laughs> All right. So that moves us on to number five. And uh, I'm going to uh, echo uh, Gavin by saying yes. What if is my number five? Five out of nine. Um, again, love the animation. Don't get me wrong. Great stories and all that. Started off with a great uh, Carter. The Doctor Strange was really cool. The zombies was was fun and all that sort of thing. But again, not as full fleshed as I'd like them to be. It was cool that we're just like about a half hour and all that sort of thing. But again, I want to see more. Uh, we do know that we lost an episode. We uh, uh, which just decided okay at the last minute let's shoehorn in this character from a storyline that we don't know about which. I, I don't understand why. I mean, I understand budgetary reasons why you had to drop an episode. So whatever. But um, I, again, enjoyed the look, enjoyed the final story and all that. Seemed a little implausible. I don't know why you really needed Party Thor there because really didn't have much of a, like, 
Okay. But still, again, I liked a lot of stuff, but when you got to, when you only have nine things to choose from, best to worst, the worst probably isn't going to be the worst thing ever. But in comparison, that's what I got. Who's got their wow. number five? Number five? What if? I thought it was going to be a controversial thing having it there. I thought everybody would have it higher. <laughs> <laughs> but it's looking like it's kind of perfect. As being animators, as being animation fans and animators, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Now, my big reason for it falling here, because there were some fun episodes, there were some kind of meh, okay ones. But the big thing for me is the kids lost interest and they didn't want to watch it. So that was a huge negative point on this one for me. Because if we watched it as a family and everyone was getting excited, you know, that would be a lot more fun. But because I ended up just watching them on my own, that took away a lot of the joy. So, yeah. Number five, what if? For me, number five, what if? Um, not because it was bad or not because it wasn't good enough. It's just, in my opinion, there are four others that are better. Um, there were many, many of the episodes of what if I really enjoyed, there's a couple that I was like, eh, you know, did it need to be half an hour or other episodes like uh, half hour wasn't enough. So yeah, I'm just saying there, in my opinion, there are four other entries on this list that were better. So it gets relegated to number five. Well, uh, my number five is, uh, Shang-Chi. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was the first, uh, big Marvel movie to hit the theaters since, uh, you know, when we got hit by the, you know, the entire COVID decade that we've been experiencing. Um, so, I mean, maybe it was simply the fact that this was the, you know, the first Marvel movie in the theaters I'd seen in what felt like eons, but uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, Certainly not the best one I've seen, but it was nice to see Simi uh, uh, Liu, uh, basically Canadian local boy, as it were, making big in uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just, that's my that's my number five. And I'm only going to say because uh, my number four, because that's what we're on number four, is Shang-Chi. And again, it's nice to see a local Toronto guy. Uh, make it big in the Marvel Universe. Hey, we saw a local Toronto guy make it big in the Star Wars Universe because both uh, Kim's convenience characters are in both Marvel and uh, Star Wars now and all that. But uh, Disney yeah. loves those guys. Yeah, Disney loves those guys. Yeah. Um, it, it was nice to see a, a diverse cast like this. It was nice to see an actual fully practically Asian uh, cast. They had some fantastic classic um kung fu well asian cinema action stars portraying the characters and all that and again i'm going to give extra points because i love michelle yo michelle yo is a, a, a reason to watch this movie because she is so elegant and graceful in this and the uh Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon fighting sequences, which are different from the, the bus sequence fighting sequence and all that. Um, I thought for Marvel deciding to go all in for an actual Kung Fu, I think this was the right amount of Kung Fu. I don't think, because we all know how Netflix turned out with their Kung Fu, um, but I think this we was a- that. 
no, it's, <laughs> well, that's as far as I'm mentioning with that. Um, but I think this was a very perfect way to introduce this genre into this universe. Now we can expand on it more um, later on in other movies and all that. And I love the fact that we have a very likable, not only character, but the actor as well, portraying Shang-Chi. Um, the sidekick, Aquafina did a great job and all that. The two of them had great chemistry. I love the fact that it feels like there's going to be no romantic entanglement between two, these two characters, which is something that normally in this sort of situation would have. I love that Marvel didn't go that way. And the mystical was fantastic too. Um, the rewriting of the character of Trevor Slatterly, how they practically redeemed that character from a rather horrible sort of movie to begin with was fantastic. And that's why I'm putting it at number four. No, no, no. Who's next for their number four? I'll jump in. My number four is WandaVision. Um, it was our first offering when we started uh, 2021. Um, I believe that show has some of the smartest writing. Um, they really understood the different genres of the television ages they were showing as each episode progressed. Um, they laid down the groundwork for Wanda to show up in Multiverse of Madness, um, Doctor Strange's upcoming movie. Um, but honestly, the only reason why I'm putting it at number four is I believe the next three were stronger. And that's the only reason why. Um, next. Do you want to go, Gavin? Sure. Well, like uh, just to, to parrot Trevor, ah, WandaVision! Yeah, uh, it was something new. It was something I, I, I don't think anyone has had ever tried to do before. This, uh, turning it into sort of a, uh, emulating the, the sitcoms of y yesteryear. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out where they were going with this. And this was what kept me coming back every single episode. Oh, what, what are they doing? What's next? And I was right there whatever they was it fridays they were releasing them at the time i think it was fridays i think but so i was right there i was ready to watch it friday hits bam i'm i'm in glued to my chair and so for my number four hawkeye and this is one after the first three episodes i was pretty sure would end up at my number two spot but then the writing got a little bit wonky um I was happy with Kate Bishop because she started off as a very authentic character, but then she started questioning Hawkeye's abilities and doing her own thing, started to become a little bit of a Mary Sue character. And we got the king, the, the kingpin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then they nerfed him right at the end. There's so much more that could have been done. And the fact that Kate Bishop was able to beat the kingpin, I just find unforgivable. I don't like the fact that it's the show is called Hawkeye, but eventually Clint gets sidelined by Kate Bishop, new Black Widow, and what's her name? Echo. So it just becomes like a chick flick towards the end. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, There's other ways we could have pulled this off. So that got it bumped down a few slots, which is sad because at the start, I thought this would have ended up with number two slot, but it didn't. So number three, who wants to do number three? 
Um, I'm I well I okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Go go. I'll jump in. Uh, my number three was Loki. Um, honestly, six episodes, first five, extremely strong episodes, really developing the character of Loki, the TVA, as people who can see this sh- the, 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 this episode. I am covered in a TVA shirt. I had a great time watching that show until the last episode where it just felt like they blew the budget on episode five. And it just felt like they, they knew that they were getting another season and they knew that this was going to be a tie into a movie. And they just, they phoned in that last episode. And I was so disappointed with that episode that, you know, the first five almost made up for it, but I just, that last episode just left I know that they were trying to throw in the hooks for the next season and for the movies. And that was, it felt like that was the whole reason for episode six where, you know, the whole episode took place in a room and that's why it's my number three. I'll echo what you just said, Trevor, number three, Loki, exactly the same reasons. This is another one I thought would hit my number two spot, but because that last episode didn't quite nail the landing the fact that this is the one we first tried to do our reaction videos to. And I, I, my family didn't have a reaction. It, the episode dropped and everybody just sat on the couch and did nothing. And the fact that it ended on such a low note, yeah, it got bumped down. But whereas Hawkeye had a bunch of episodes that were kind of lackluster, this one only had the one. So yeah, number three, Loki. And uh, I just want to state that uh, in my top three are my favorite things that Marvel has released this year, obviously, because they're in the top three. And it was really kind of hard, difficult to figure out what two and three were. These are things that were so close to each other that it was so difficult that I had to actually sit down and actually write out. And I actually jotted out notes between these two to figure out which I felt was the better than the other. And as it turns out, uh, probably the one that before everything started, the one that I was the most excited to actually see comes in number three with me. And that is Echo, 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 Loki. Um, and again, it's the exact same reason. It It's the first such a strong right up into the very end. And then unfortunately just, it's like they ran out of time. They ran out of story. They're like, oh crap, we have only this one episode and we have to pull this connection to the rest of the MCU sort of thing that's going to have repercussions later on. So, but again, I still enjoyed like the others. I still enjoyed the series so much that it is in my third spot. And that's a very high spot. And again, I've mentioned before, I enjoy a lot of the stuff that is in the MCU. I can overlook stuff and all that. And it's just this one little thing, this final little stumble at the finish line that puts it in the number three spot for me. What do you got there, Gavin? Well, my number three is Hawkeye. Uh, It painted Clint as uh, basically just just this guy, you know, you know, it's just a, <laughs> just a likable guy. You know, he's humble. He's not full of himself. He doesn't have an ego like Stark. He doesn't have like 
super, uh, you know, super strength and 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 smashy like like uh, Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. You know, he was he's he's just this guy, just happens to be a world trade assassin, but still, you know, uh, I I just I like how how they made him so relatable. You know, he he, he didn't like showing off. He didn't like being center of attention he 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 refused he, he he tried to refuse uh you know a chinese uh restaurant from comping his meal he like he he reluctantly accepted and so uh they you know he sees kate bishop as someone who's who who needs some uh focusing some training you know try to try to try to get you know, she she's a, a diamond in the rough, and he he felt he could try to to uh, you know chip away and get her get get her her rough edges off. I think uh, I think it did a, a rather good job at it. And for me, the uh, you know the, the 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 kingpin reveal was uh, was kind of like finally bringing all of these characters that we we've loved from you know Netflix. Did, did a damn good job but you know there was all the speculation on whether or not we were going to see you know a completely new cast for the kingpin but brought him in uh, uh you know uh uh, uh, uh vince uh uh d'onofrio d'onofrio he was uh he 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 was not the kingpin we knew but he was the kingpin um I just I th- I thought it was I thought it was one of for me at least one of the stronger stronger ent- entries the the tracksuit mafia the fights with those guys um, Tim Ar- arrows were like getting the trick arrows going you know they, you very rarely saw saw them in the Avengers it was always like explosive arrows or some sort of like EMP arrow or something like that no goo arrows no boxing glove well okay we didn't get a boxing glove arrow despite <laughs> that but still. We started seeing proper trick arrows, and I, I hope they 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 continue on with that. Maybe maybe we'll get Hawkeye leading the West Coast Avengers. Who knows? That's apparently what Jeremy Renner wants to see happen. But yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. All right. So I think um, Gavin, why don't you give us your number two? Number two is Loki. Uh, Tom, Tom Hilson has always sort of been kind of the de facto, you know, face of, uh, of like the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, villains. Uh, it certainly helps that he's, uh, he's as likable as can be, yet so, you know, devious and, and, and evil. And we see uh, over the course of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we see his redemption arc of going from, you know, trying to plotting and conniving and finally, you know, He's he's trying to protect his brother, you know, in uh, in Endgame, and so we see all of that that character growth, and then we see Loki uh, escaping with the uh, the tie or the the, the space stone. What, which which stone was it? The mind uh, stone. Space stone. Space stone, right? And now, so now he's new. He's this completely, you know right at the beginning of Avengers Loki so you know he's a, he's he's a dick and then within three four episodes 
you he kind of fast tracks the the the, uh, the character development, and it actually makes sense to me. It, you know, he 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 comes he goes from the arrogant you know villainy villainous Loki to someone who's de- honestly trying trying to be better, and just the uh, you know the whole uh, time variance and uh, yeah all, all, everything about it just it made me want to know. Uh, you know, who are these guys? What, where, where do they come from? Like, what, what are these events that are changing? Just everything about it. I just, I just wanted to know more. And of course, it certainly helped that Tom Hiddleston was, was front and center through the entire thing, being his best Loki ever. That's, uh, that's my number two. Trevor? Oh, well, my number two is Hawkeye. Um, I enjoyed all six episodes um, and it was actually, it wasn't until about, I don't know, a couple days after watching the last episode of Hawkeye that I kind of saw the play on words they did there. They didn't call the series Barton. They didn't call the series Clint. By the third episode, yeah, they started to, you know, by episode four, it was starting to get a little bit more Kate heavy and, you know, with Echo and then dropping in Yelena. But as I said, it wasn't until after I saw the sixth episode, a couple days later, I realized, no, they were true to form. The, the show was named Hawkeye because by episode four, Kate Bishop was becoming the new Hawkeye. So by the end of the sixth episode, by the, the last episode, she is the new Hawkeye. She came with Barton to his family in the, the, the end of the episode because he, he's going to finish off her training. So she can take fully take the mantle of Hawkeye, which is the name of the show. As I said, if they had named the show Clint or Barton, I would have been a little pissed by episode four. That's like, why are they spending so much time with every other character other than Clint? And it, yeah, it took until after the show was done to like, oh, that is a, a really subtle way of doing it that they kind of increased Kate's screen time and increased the time that she's spending, you know, fighting these guys because she is to be the new Hawkeye. You know, in the comic series, she is Hawkeye. Um, and the fact that she even joking, well, she was trying to throw out other code names for herself. And he's like, no, that's terrible. That's, that's the worst of the bunch because he knows that she is going to become Hawkeye. She, at some point we'll probably end up working for sword as Hawkeye. And there were so many clever moments in that show. Um, yeah. We got to see, see the trick arrows and we got to see Clint at his, you know, at his best without being overshadowed by the rest of the Avengers. And he even makes the mention that he's a ghost. He's, he was doing his job, right. If you didn't notice him there, but he was also doing his job. If you, you know, if the, the mission was won, he did his job. And especially if, if the mission was won and you never knew that he was there or you didn't realize he was there because he was doing his job as well. So it was nice to see him do his thing, like, you know, being able to flip a quarter and turn on a TV or fire off arrows, no look, and still hitting his targets perfectly. Um, and we get to see the aftermath of being an Avenger, you know, the, the, the PTSD, the hearing loss. I felt this show was so well written you know, and yeah, when we brought in the Kingpin, this was not the standard Kingpin that we had seen from the, the Daredevil series. He was much, much stronger. Kate beat, beat him basically by a technicality. She used the trick that Clint taught her. She managed to, to trigger the arrows, but she did not get through that unscathed. And if it wasn't the fact that when he broke the arrows and dropped him at his feet, if he hadn't done that, she was not coming out of that toy store alive. He was going to tear the head clean off her shoulders go out and finish off her mom 
and yeah and and things is he had the kingpin had that level of aggression that was kind of terrifying and the fact that we're going to see him again in the echo series we're going to see the aftermath of him you know eating a bullet that echo puts in his face it it i ended that series um anticipating what's coming next and it was one of the few series on this list that made me going "Ooh, what's next when's it coming out because i want to see where this story is going and that's why it's my number two for me number two one division and I'm kind of seeing this one through rose-colored glasses. Oh, Scarlet Vision glasses. Because this was the first <laughs> Marvel TV show. The fact that they did something that they can't do, like it wouldn't work in a movie theater. It's so unique to television that they dove into that and committed to it. And I think they executed it really well. Uh, the family was a little bit confused when we watched the first episodes. Like, wait, Dad, what is this? Like, why are we watching black and white 50 shows? Except my daughter, because she loves that era. So she was into it right away. But how each episode was another era of television. The actors played the part amazingly well. The performances that they did, like they captured the era of every show. And there's even the Modern Family one, because my family had watched Modern Family. But when they're doing the interview sequences, and you could tell what each character was supposed to be that they were doing a parody of was amazing. Scarlet Witch actually became the Scarlet Witch. I hated that we had her in so many movies and she was just Wanda. No, like when she joined the Avengers, she should have been Scarlet Witch, but we finally got that. She finally got her proper costume. Again, like how many movies did she show up and she didn't have her proper costume? Even right down to the Halloween costume where it's like comic book accurate. I loved Quicksilver coming back, but he was recast. That's a neat kind of thing with the multiverse and the magic and how her hex magic works and they explained that with the psychological trauma how you know people that you lose don't always end up being retained in your mind and i thought it ended fairly well it's like i want to see her in doctor strange i want to see where the story went from here so yeah this one i think i got the most out of it, like the most surprises, especially it being the first Disney show. And yeah, that's what's my number two. Troy? All right. So uh, my number two comes down to uh, one of my favorite uh, characters that I grew up collecting the comic book for. I was a West Coast Avengers fan, and it was uh, definitely the character of Hawkeye. Um, I love this version of clint uh this jeremy renner has done a fantastic job again he's always been a background character he's always been not the forefront he's always been the guy that can hold his own with the gods with the super soldier with the guy with all the technology and all that and he can hold his own he doesn't have any superpowers and all that and we get that in spades in this series we are given the fact that this is the ultimate of the superheroes um he also other than like one or two others is the only one that's still around and that weighs on him he knows that he is living when others who are more powerful or stronger than him i mean that whole entire 
end sequence where he's talking to Elena about how, you know, because Natasha, it was her, she had her mind fixed. She was going to die. There was nothing I'd be able to do. I would not be able to beat her, Natasha killing herself to save the world. I mean, she saved more than the world, but that's all that really matters for this situation and all that. I mean, he, again, him being so humble about him not wanting to have the limelight of uh, this character of Kate Bishop coming in. The storyline that they picked to, uh, to pull from for this whole entire story is a fantastic uh, Hawkeye comic. If you do yourself a favor, go out and find it. Uh, it, it. It pretty much reads pretty much what you saw in this. Almost, I mean, not completely, but it, it borrows so much from it. Um, right down to Lucky, the one-eyed dog. I mean... <laughs> Pizza dog is fantastic. I mean, dog was amazing. Yes. I love that um, for the most part, the watch was a MacGuffin. Um, I My do kids love... even said that. Yeah. Because they know what it is. That's <laughs> MacGuffin. <laughs> I love the fact that the swordsman just turned out to be a guy who's really good with the swords. I love the fact that Jack was not a bad guy. He was a, a rube. He was a rube. And but he had his shining moment at the end, and now he's going to be a star in the LARP world. I mean, it's and yes, again, Kingpin and Echo and all this other so much is put into these six episodes, and you're not wanting for anything at the end of this. People who deserve it get their comeuppance. People who get shrunk into giant into tiny little cars and get <laughs> flown off by a by an owl. Um, sure, we don't get to see Spider-Man swinging through New York City in this, but this obviously happens after that sequence from the movie because the tree's still up in the movie and it's down in the show. But that's beside the point. Um, this is. Marvel's best version of a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas movie and this had a Christmas feel to it from the get-go and it ends on a Christmas feeling. I mean, it just is such a fun ride. It is very emotional. You can see it's hanging on the main character's faces so much. And any thing that ends with a musical number from a Broadway play based on the life of Steve Rogers. I can do this all day is fantastic. And um, it was just a delight to sit through these six episodes. And I'm, I'm also glad that I had this output to be able to reflect on these on a weekly basis because of the situation that we are currently in with this podcast. I love the fact that we could sit down and talk about what we loved about this on a week to week basis, because this is why we do what we do. So um, for the yeah. number, oh. go, go oh. ahead. Are you still going with this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, oh, okay. just, for, just for just for the love of the character. And my my appreciation for the actor and the fact that the series was such a, a fun ride, that's why it gets that's why I get it in my number two. 
Now, right for the number one, should we just one. should we all should we just we say, all say it all at once and then let yeah. Troy do his movie review because <laughs> the three of us discussed this last week, so we can just let Troy go on a diatribe for this one. Does that sound good? All right, so I'm pretty number sure. Number one, okay, so I was wrong. I was wrong at the beginning, and here we are with the number one in three, two, one. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. No, no way, way home. home. Okay, well, we we almost we we were a little bit out of practice with the at, at times and all the, at the same time and all that. So Have we learned um, nothing from the from the goodbyes. Well, no, we can Absolutely do the goodbyes because we're used to the goodbyes, but we weren't yeah. sure the we're not used to this. For saying that. Yeah. This, um, it's kind of funny though that we're all we all pick Spider-Man as our number one. For yeah, the, exactly. Year. I wonder how I mean, that happened. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Look, so go, Troy. It's give been, us the review. Okay, so. I'm not going to go into a giant die trap. I know. I mean, I, I could, I could spend the next 45 minutes doing this, but um, it's just, if you don't know by now that uh, first of all, it's a billion dollar movie. It's a billion dollar movie. Uh, I believe $1.8 billion. This is pulled in, in two weeks in a time when movies haven't even come like close to breaking hundred million dollars uh, because of the way um, things are right now. This this made this is the biggest opening that Sony has ever had. Pandemic not like like coming into this whole entire thing. Sony has had its biggest box office with this movie. Um, and again, two weeks on, it has made one point. Eight billion dollars. It's probably made more since the last article that I read because we're now getting through the weekend and all that. We've got another, uh, like the another long weekend with the uh, the the New Year's Eve weekend and all that sort of thing. But um, um, to call this a spectacular feat, the idea alone was monumental. Um, the uh. The fact that, like we've said throughout this whole entire thing, Marvel lies. Marvel lies so much. I highly doubt anyone is going to believe anything at any interview that comes out of Andrew Garfield's mouth from now on. Um, but it's wonderful that they did that for us. And I'm I'm sure they had all the intention of like, okay, this is going to get out. This has gotten out. We need to do some. We got to cover it. Sure. Alfred Molina had said, hey, I'm in Spider-Man 2 and I'm working with Willem Dafoe as well. And Willem Dafoe is like, yeah, I'm in the movie, but whatever. It doesn't. It didn't really matter in the end because what you needed to know is how this was going to happen, how this character was going to come in, how that character is coming, how they're going to bring in this character, how, why is this character in there? Why is this character not in there? And um, it's just so delightful of a um, of a viewing um, that it is something that has to be experienced. Um, it has to be experienced because it's definitely something you cannot sleep on. And all you have to do is be able to see this movie um, any way possible. Um, if you see it in a crowd, that is probably going to do be best because this is, well, it's the reason why it's made so much money because everyone is going to see this movie. And um, it's, it's an interaction where 
the funny things are funnier. The startling things are more startling. The uh, the the stand up and wanting to cheer things are so much more like powerful because of being in the collective of viewing this movie. And again, it's been talked about. And if you want to hear what the other guys have to say about it, go back and listen to the other podcasts because they went into a really, really great dive into it. And again, I would just be rehashing a lot of the stuff that they said. So, I mean, it's just, um, it's definitely not a waste of time. It is definitely does not feel like a two and a half hour movie. Um, it has such a satisfying ending that it is a beautiful way to now set up this new trilogy that Tom Holland has just signed on for, for Sony. Um, the mid credits sequence. Um, all right, whatever. Sure. Um, I, I don't really think they needed to put that there. I mean, of course we had to show that venom also left as well, but leaving behind a little bit of venom. How does that work? I don't understand. Did everyone else leave a little bit of themselves behind sort of thing? Um, anyways, um, Look, you know, Sony just wants a Venom movie. No, for sure. For sure. And this is their way of doing it. I mean, look, um, I'm going to hypothesize that uh, we're not going to get, unfortunately, the black suited Spider-Man in Secret Wars uh, or any sort of like, like, like soon. I don't think we're good because, again, with the results of this movie, nobody knows who Peter Parker is. They know who Spider-Man is, but they don't know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker and Parker. Like we know he now has to try and earn his, his, uh, his education back because there's no records of who Peter Parker is. He no longer has existed in schools or anything like that. Like nobody remembers who Peter Parker is, um, which is kind of a neat way to do the spell. Like not that everyone forgot that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. No, everyone forgot who, Peter Parker was so I mean he better get a job at the Daily Bugle next movie I am so hoping that he becomes like a videographer or something like that for Jay Jonah yes though definitely for sure they have to do something like that he has to work for Jay Jonah at some point I'm kind of hoping the Venom symbiote was immune to the spell Ooh, that would be like that that little remnant was immune to the spell so it's still coming It's still coming to New York. Oh no, no, totally. Oh well, because because the the venom that came into this dimension knew of Peter because of the multi-dimensional aspect of the. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just hoping that it's it's pissed off that it got ripped from the the main host. And is seeking out Parker. Yeah, no, seeking out Parker because it's 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 got some 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 explaining to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Parker's got some explaining to do. So exactly, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's a spectacular movie. Um, I'm surprised at um, Andrew Garfield. I mean, not that I was surprised that he could act, but the fact that he was able, to, the fact that everyone was able to redeem their roles of Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Toby coming back already sliding right into the character as he was in the Sam Raimi. Um, We got to know a little further along what happened to him and MJ be able to work things out and all that. Um, How Garfield's Parker stopped pulling punches at one point and 
so he became darker and all that sort of thing. I mean, the three actors working together, oh, friggin' I like the fact that they did the scene of they're pointing at each other. Yeah, yes. that, that's right from the exactly. Was, yeah, I, just, I was waiting oh. for that. I saw it. I was just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My favorite part of the movie was the three of them together. Yeah, it's and and they worked so well together. And I'm I'm hoping that somewhere somewhere along the lines that and again. They talked about this on Fat Man Beyond, um, where they're hoping that this will allow, because Sony still has the rights, that they can do a Tobey Maguire fourth movie. They can do Andrew Garfield a third movie, because they, they now have opened up that there is a multiverse and that these characters have lived on. I don't like how in the movie they only described the other people that they interacted with in the movies we saw. They didn't come up with anyone new sort of thing, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but we know that these characters lived on past that point and that we could get other movies and there is a chance that this could happen. Whether or not they'd have to pay an arm and a leg for Tobey Maguire to probably come back for another Spider-Man. But there is a good chance, especially after this particular movie, that you can get another amazing Spider-Man out of Andrew Garfield because even though that sucker lied to all of us, <laughs> he, he he did a good for a good reason. He nailed. No, it. no, he, I know, I understand, I understand so why well. he did it. But he nailed. He made his character feel when he saved MJ and he was crying, and MJ had to console him. That was just so beautifully done, and it was so like standing in your like sitting in your seats like cheering out loud sort of thing right like i, I want to see an amazing spider-man 3 with the garfield character back in his own universe still with all the experiences he just had that yeah multiverse, oh for sure oh, no, totally to redeem, i mean finding out what he did when he wasn't pulling his punches and trying to redeem the mantle of spider-man yeah. you know put the integrity back into it pulling his punches saving the, yeah exactly you know, yeah I, I, I want to see that. I really do. Yeah. And then the rhino shows up in the proper costume. Yes. Oh, sure. oh, he would have to. He would definitely have to. That's how you redeem that character as well. Well, not only that, but I want to see, you know, when he jumps back, when Max jumps back, Electro jumps back. Yeah. You know, at that split second when they both go back and he, he stops himself from killing off Electro and, you know, maybe from that point on or, or wherever they, they reintroduce him. I yeah, want to yeah. see him, you know, putting the integrity back into the Spider-Man mm -hmm. mantle and just, yeah, I think that's good. I mean, he's such an amazing actor. I think he could pull it off really well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, spectacular movie, uh, a must, a must see, because I cannot wait to be able to see this movie again. Um, I am buying it the instant I can get a digital or a, a, a disc version of this movie hopefully a disc with a digital so i can also watch it on my phone whenever i want to like the other spider-man movie i have digitally um but yeah so this was this was a such a fun and because of so much that we were waiting for it basically did not disappoint i mean i don't think if i remember correctly you guys definitely were not let down by this movie I, I had a lot of comments like, and things I would do different, but yeah, there were some things I do differently. Like, I, I I wouldn't have killed off May because um, I think it would have been a, a stronger punch that her in the hospital 
Peter goes to see her and she doesn't know who he is. I think that would have been so. Yeah, much no, that was. I do, I do agree with your point there. Yes, that point that you made there, Trevor. That would be, that would be a devastating thing. Yes. Yeah, and the other thing is, is thinking of if they did a, a an amazing Spider-Man three with Garfield having Sally Field. I want to see when he comes back his reaction that his May is still alive, and then maybe him searching out his ver like his universe's love like version of MJ to try to start that relationship. That would be so. a kind of that'd be kind of creepy. <laughs> but the thing is. is he he lost he lost Gwen, but realizing that there are other avenues that he could. Okay, so, well, well, technically, also, technically, also, MJ introduced herself to Peter first. Like she was a friend of um, um, her aunt and Aunt May were. were yeah, friends. her aunt and Aunt May, yes, were friendly, and yes, yes, yes. Not that they grew up next door neighbors or anything like that, like Tobey Maguire did. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right, so um, all right, so that's going to bring us up to our uh, final uh, segment for the evening, and that's going to be our return to our Adam asks. Um, this one is a little bit uh, long-winded, but uh, Adam asks, "Is going to the movies an essential part of the film experience?" David Lynch and Dennis Villeneuve um, have expressed dismay for films being intended for the silver screen and not a home premiere. AMC has Nicole Kidman in advertisements promoting, promoting going to the movies. Uh, local cinemas, uh, such as the one out uh, where I live in uh, Oakville, Ontario, can't serve snacks. Other places have capacities and seating restrictions. Uh, recently released Oscar contender films have bombed financially, the uh, $10 million box office versus the $100 million budget for the West Side Story and have had their screens replaced by major franchises like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Almost every studio has assigned, uh, aligned themselves with uh, either with or with their own streaming service. Uh, the pandemic will eventually become an epidemic, but uh, we're going to the movies, sorry? An endemic. Oh, endemic, pandemic sorry, will endemic. endemic. Yes, exactly, that's true. Yes, it comes to an end, yes. Uh, will become an endemic. But will going to the movies go the way of the Friday night at Blockbuster? Will we all change our basement dens into mini home theaters and buy the latest 8K televisions on Black Friday, not just for the World Cup or for the Super Bowl uh, Sunday, but uh, just in time for home viewing of the fall and winter Oscar season contenders? So after all that being said, um, to tell you the truth, uh, it's a very uh, interesting uh, question to actually propose and all that sort of thing. And again, I agree with uh, quite a bit of it. It does seem to be going the way of uh, not uh, circumventing the actual theatrical experience. Now, there have been a lot of people that have chosen. People, uh, I mean, with the way money has been exchanging hands uh, this past year alone, yes. Subscriptions are up on these services. Um, Netflix and Disney Plus and uh, HBO have noted that because of things being released more to their streaming services, their um, subscription has been going up. The, the numbers have been going up. So um, that being said, uh, Michael, I know you have a quite a quick little question. Do you want to go to the theaters to see movies? Well, in answer to that very long-winded question, my answer is yes. 
So is it an essential part of the film experience? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will it become like the go the way of the blockbuster? Yes, in some ways. Now, the big screen is an experience. So you're going to go to a movie where the crowds are cheering, where the spectacle is huge. For these little films that you can just be as interested watching it on your couch on Netflix, those ones will maybe have to go to the smaller boutique shops or smaller releases. Will our basements turn into mini home theaters? Well, yes. Will we be buying the 8K TVs? Yes. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of yes in there, and it can be nuanced, and maybe someone like Trevor might go into further details, but yes. I, I personally uh, agree with Michael. I'd never want to give up the theatrical going experience. It's been something that's been part of my life from as early as I can remember. I mean, earliest memories I have with my family is going to the movie theater. I mean, the first fully formed memory I can come up with is the actual drive to the theater to go see Star Wars for the first time. And that whole entire experience, showing up at the movie theater and whatnot with the lines of people and how crowded the theater was. And I can actually remember the slight angle of the screen for the first time, how we weren't dead center because, you know, it was first come, first serve way back in the 70s and all that. So, I mean, it's been part of my life. Um, I have done hundreds upon hundreds of viewings with groups of friends dressing up in costume to see movies just that's just star wars and that's just star wars exactly exactly yeah uh doing the midnight showings when those were the things um it's just it's it's being in the audience with everyone reacting you're not going to get that in your home theater um uh, you can't cram well, that. We many... sometimes get that with my family. We got you, well, family. yeah, yes, no. You've got a big family. Yes, I, I see. Yes, yes. But I mean, again, you're not getting the two, three, four hundred plus people all going <gasps> at the exact same time. Um, you're not having. Okay, you're not having MJ getting elbowed by Peter Parker and the whole entire theater going collectively, <gasps> and then me myself laughing at the fact that the theater is all going <gasps> at the same time because it's no sorry i apologize i went yes because of that experience and then the audience breaking into laughter because there's some guy that seems to be cheering that mary jane got elbowed and then you hearing as the theater f- empties like i can't believe some assholes like cheered that mary jane got hit in the face so you don't get that in the home theater. I'm saying you're not getting that in the home theater. That's what I hope never dies. I mean, yes, I would love the theater basement. I would love the reclined seat. I would love the giant screen TV, but there's something about the community, about going out to the theater that I hope never dies. And I will, as long as I can, I will try and get to the theater when it is possible it hasn't been possible for the past however long to be able to do it on the regular basis but i will do it as long as i uh can safely do it let's say it that way safely do it what about you gavin well 
uh, you've, you've already touched on the, the uh, just the thrill of the crowd, uh, like-minded people uh, cheering and clapping and laughing and crying at the same things. Um, as I, I installed home theaters for a living for about five years, um, I can tell you that unless you are willing to spend a fuck ton of money, you are never going to get the same kind of boom that the feel of the home theater. You can get some some pretty neat stuff. You can get like you know like a sixty inch LCD screen, with, you know, with clip speakers, surround sound, di- di- omnidirectional rears, and whatever you want, like with you know with atmosphere speakers and everything. But unless you're willing to spend to to pay for the kind of space that people are willing to put into custom home theaters, uh, the, be- the even some of the most expensive couch theaters that I've seen just cannot compare to the visuals and the sound from from AVX uh, theater. It's it's just you, most people will not have the kind of money to do that. So. I will still return to go to the theaters as often as I can for as much as I can while, you know, theaters are still around just because you cannot get that experience the same way at home. And, and last time I checked, I mean, I haven't won Lotto Max yet. Maybe there's a ticket set are waiting for me somewhere, but I haven't won it yet. Yeah. The past Friday was, it was, uh, wasn't one. So it's rolling over to the $35 million for next Tuesday. So. And my, I hope my new year's so to win more lottos. Yeah. And this time I'm going to start buying tickets. <laughs> now, Mr. Trevor, what do you have to say about Adam asks? All right. So. Yes. And that's it. He's done. He's just, yes. Yeah. And that's it. So <laughs> collective goodbye. Is, movie, is going to the movie an essential part of the film experience? Shorter answer. Yes. Long answer. Fuck. Yes. Expanded long answer. Um, There are movies, I'm of the mindset of there are movies that, yes, you need to see in the theaters. To to fully experience it, your ass needs to be in in, in a theater. Mm -hmm. Giant screen, big sound, popcorn, the whole works. There are movies that you don't require a big screen. You don't require that experience. But it's those experience movies that I love going to the theater for. I love having an audience of like-minded individuals. Because if you stand up and yell yes at home, I just get strange looks from my wife and, and, and just told to sit down. Um, so, yeah. You it, should have it, seen us watching Cobra Kai. Table. Yeah, so it's, People it's, were bouncing on couches. Yeah, so I like, the, I like the... I mean, during this pandemic, I like being able to pause a movie for like pee break or, or refill snack or whatnot. But the movies I did go to in the theater, it is... A unique experience you have a better appreciation of the film when you see it large you you get something more like i just recently saw national poon's christmas vacation and i was 25 feet from the screen and i mean i've seen that movie countless times but seeing it suddenly again on a big screen gave me a whole new appreciation for that film and this is what the film experience when seeing it in a theater does you have a a unique appreciation for that film. Um, now, the, the downside is, is the second half of that question, will going to the theater go the way of the dodo? Unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Um, with the upcoming generations, 
especially the generations that are just now going through a pandemic and having to watch a lot of movies at home. Um, and as you know, the costs of keep rising and rising to, to hit that level of quality, to get that theater experience are still out of reach as, you know, student loans and all this other stuff pile up. It's going to, but it's going to eventually reach a point where a price point where it is cheaper to have your own home theater than go to the theater. Um, Cause studios still want to make their money and eventually they're just going to say, well, you know what, if we can't make it in the, in the theater, we're going to have our own streaming service or we're going to align with the streaming service and recoup our money that way. Plus the streaming services like Netflix and Amazon are starting to make more and more quality product that they're not going to throw it in the theater. They're going to throw it as a streaming service. So, you know, it, it, look how long it took Blockbuster to finally go to go under. I think we're going to same, see the same thing with theaters. Like I know the theaters are fighting tooth and nail against it. But eventually, they're not going it, to. It, it's, it's a losing fight. They're, they can't make enough money to win the war. So it may not happen. I'm not going to say it's happened next year, the next five years, next 10 years. But probably by the time my kids are my age, theaters are going to be a very rarefied boutique sort of thing. Like, ooh, we're going to the theater and we're paying 200. It's, it'd be like going to a Broadway show, you know, where you're paying an exorbitant fee to, to have that seat to go see it that it's something, it's like a very planned event. Um, and I, I, I kind of die a little bit inside thinking about that because I've had so much, so many great experiences in the theater, seeing so many great movies with a great crowd and knowing that this is slowly becoming like the dinosaurs. This is eventually not going to be around. And I've, I mean, I have friends who are experimenting with watching films on VR goggles where the screen is like, you know, two inches from your eyes and it's as big as you need it to be, as big as you want it to be. And as that technology gets better, you know, instead of holding a, an iPad in front of your face or watching on your phone, you just slip on a set of VR goggles and you can make the screen as big or as small as you want. So you can turn your head and see the whole screen or the whole screen's filling your vision from peripheral to peripheral. Imagine they do that with the VR goggles where the people stand up in front of you and get in your way. And <laughs> oh, God. I'd be like, like, I want to virtually punch that person in the back of the head. And they're, they're like, huh? Oh, what? What? Why is there a sensor on the back of my goggles? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, it, this is a great question, but it's, it's, I mean, I'd like the fact that he included Blockbuster because that's, that's exactly, and Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix and be streaming, and they said it would never work. Now Blockbuster is nowhere to be found because the last one is finally closed. Netflix is still running strong. This pandemic just made Netflix stronger. So unfortunately, I can see the end of theater as we know it. And I don't want to. I don't want to admit it. But because, yeah, I believe that movies, being in that big screen, being in that darkened hall with all those other people, it's what make movies so enjoyable. And uh yeah, that's my answer. That's the long expanded answer from fuck yes. All right. So thank you again for that, uh, Mr. Adam. And uh, we're going to call it to a end right around here because uh, we've been going on for a bit. And uh, it's been a, a long one for uh, quite a while because we haven't been able to all get together. But uh, hopefully we get back onto a regular basis and be able to pull this off uh, in a uh, more uh, collective fashion. Uh, Regular fashion. Yeah, exactly. So uh, basically, we're just going to say um, 
hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us uh, or watching us, however you're uh, consuming this uh, media. And uh, be sure to uh, come back and tune in uh, next week. Same bat time, same spider channel. And uh, we'll just do our collective goodbyes on three. And on one, two, three. Collective goodbye. See, that was definitely better than Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh yeah. I mean, saying of Spider-Man No Way Home, not that it was better than Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) All right. Good night, folks. I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) You've just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen, Gavin Burbage, Trevor Brown, and Troy Bowman. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to PlanetGeekPod at gmail.com. Buy the guys a coffee by going to ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash planetgeekpod. And know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening.